Hello and welcome to Food to Go, the new food podcast. I'm Beth and Grills, editor of New Food, and as always, I'm joined by Josh and Abby. Hey, I'm Abby. And as I'm sure you know, I'm Josh. Hi, Beth. Hi, Abby. Lovely to speak to you again this afternoon. How are we both? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well. You know, I actually turned the heating off today. Can you believe it? Does that mean that we're nearly we're on the cusp of spring, summer? Yeah, big marker in the year that I think heating going off and clocks going forward. I'm looking forward to that next week so I can play golf after work when the clocks go forward. So uh, counting down the days. Yes, spring is on its way, Beth, for certain. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) great 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 brilliant well we've got a nice one haven't we i think josh you're excited about this podcast today yes i'm very excited because for those that don't know i'm an absolute history nerd so whenever i can crowbar any kind of history into my professional work i jump at the chance so yes i'm really really excited because today we are having a history lesson all about hemp abby do you want to tell the listeners who we are lucky enough to be joined by today Yes, we're very excited to welcome Gaia Farming CEO, Michael Kiriaku, who will be talking to us about hemp. Hello. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to pretend to be a history professor. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. Yes, we're very much looking forward to this. So with cannabis, hemp and CBD, all key buzzwords in the food and drink sector, we did think it would be interesting to go back in time and get a bit more of an idea about this plant, because I think arguably there is a lot of unknowns about it. So, Michael, absolutely get your books out, uh, (laughs) your chalk. Can you tell us exactly what is hemp and when was it first discovered? Yeah, I suppose the first kind of thing to break down is what is hemp, right? Hemp, or typically classed as industrial hemp, is a botanical class of cannabis sativa. Most people know the word cannabis, and they associate it with the marijuana type, which is obviously what THC, which is tetrahydrocannabinol, a psychoactive element that gets people high. People obviously take that in different forms, medicinal reasons, or recreational uses. And then little is really kind of, not little, but not as much is known about its, its counterpart, which is hemp, which is the only real difference is that it has little THC, typically less than 0.3% THC. In the UK currently, it's got to be lower than 0.2, which in itself is a, a massive issue within within the farming regulation and in general, it's, it's not great. So we're trying to fight to get up to 0.3, which allows us to have more um, seeds. You know, the, in terms of the complexities of what it is, that's pretty much what it is. It's uh, It's if you went to a hemp farm, you would probably not know the difference between a cannabis plant and a hemp plant. It's all down to the compounds. So in terms of history, I mean, we could speak for hours. Um, I'm not sure we have that much time. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's actually quite funny. It's, it's It has a history dating back over 50,000 years. It's the first known fiber to be spun, which is very fascinating. You know, colonial Britain, when it was in the US, it actually had a tax where you had to provide hemp to colonial British empire. So that's how far it goes back. You, you, there's, you know, historical context of, of the Declaration of Independence in the US. The first two bills were drafted in hemp paper. Um, although the, the, the one that you see in the museum now is apparently not hemp paper, but apparently the first two drafts were hemp paper. So in essence, it's just, it's a plant with in- incredible properties can be used for multiple uses the seeds you can use for food 
that is what hemp is. It's, a, it's an incredible plant that has been around for a long time and that we should be utilizing. I'm sure we go into the questions further down the line. It has had a bad rap. And fortunately, you know, more recent times, it's, it's had some comeback. That's amazing about the Declaration of Independence and totally something that will come up on a pub quiz question, wouldn't it? <laughs> so I'm logging that one away. Absolutely fascinating really fascinating in terms of you know its history and as you said you know I think we'll we'll have more opportunity to dive into that in a bit more detail later yeah it's definitely uh it's the more I looked into and that's how I kind of started this is you know I wanted to work in the environmental sector and then I obviously knew about him I didn't know mass details as I was reading more science papers the more I was just so shocked that the uses and especially in this environmental crisis that we're in and what how powerful it is in terms of the environment and i was just the more science papers you read and depending on different industries the more you're like wow we need to utilize this i suppose disruptive companies to come and take a stab at it absolutely Michael. i mean i'm i'm with beth i'm just blown away by that fact i mean less than 10 minutes in we're talking about a declaration of uh, u.s independence so this is absolutely a podcast for me so interesting where does hemp grow naturally in what conditions does it thrive is it a european plant is it a world plant does it grow in the americas it grows pretty much everywhere really it's because i suppose you can look at it as a weed it does very well in a lot of different places and depending on the climate it does better in some climates obviously in let's say more sunny climates you can probably get three harvests a year typically in um, the british climate you get between one and two climates and depending on how you use it what you use it for so when we were planning this this podcast, Michael, the three of us were just sort of discussing which questions to ask you. And we all had the same question, but I'm going to be brave enough to ask you. Oh, Josh, don't lie. We do this off the cuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, just, I'm just ruining the illusion. Yeah, yeah. We just meet up on a, on a Monday afternoon and just go for this. We all had the same thought. So clearly hemp and cannabis, two very different different plants, but they are very similar. Whenever we watch a television drama and we see the police busting open a cannabis farm in the early hours of the morning... So it's a very complicated setup with massive heat lamps, lights, complex irrigation. It looks very, very difficult to grow. So I suppose my question is, how is it different to growing cannabis? And is it easier than perhaps television might make out? You're asking for a friend, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if anyone's, anyone's listening, I live, in a, I live in a ground floor flat, so nowhere to hide. Yeah, I suppose I'm not an expert in how to grow cannabis for its um, THC spec. From what I, my own research understanding, you would grow... I suppose if you're going to say what you see on TV and films, it's you're growing it for the compounds or the properties of the cannabis with THC. And those have certain properties that they're trying to extract, whether it's the smell, the two pins, the type of THC, the level of THC in that. So they need much more concentrated and focused um, areas of both cultivation. So that's why you see them in lab rooms. Also, the reason they're in the in rooms is because you can't grow it in, the, in your garden because it'd be caught, right? As typically, if you have a hemp field, you can grow it in a, in a farm. So I'd say there's there's twofold. One, if you have you can grow hemp in a lab, but then the the problem with that is that you would want to use hemp for its environmental uses and not so much just to, for the speed of it. I'm sure there are people in the future that will grow hemp in labs. When I say labs, I mean like you know those what's the word for it? You know when when they're growing on top of each other in like greenhouses. I'm sure there'll be. Some Vertical farming, that's right. I'm sure there will be people growing, want to grow them in vertical farming, farming for the speed. But for us, it's very much, well, you might as well put it in the ground because of its phytomediation, which is the nutrients gives back to the soil or you being used as a crop cycle. So yeah, not sure I answered your question, but 
No, no, you have. It's very easy to grow. It, 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 the funny thing is, think of it as a weed. Like you could put it anywhere and it was going to do well and it's going to shoot up fast. You know, it can, let's say an, an average of 100 days, it will grow to full maturity. And depending on the variety, depending on the height. I think there's that association, rightly or wrongly, and I'm sure, again, this is the topic we're going to tackle a bit later on, but because there's that association with cannabis, straight away, I think a lot of people think, oh, it must be difficult to grow hemp. It must be, must be a, a real undertaking to grow it successfully. As you've said, that just isn't the case. It can grow anywhere and it's, it's pretty stubborn. Yes, and I, but then the argument, I suppose, is if you speak to a farmer that has a license for hemp, they would say it's an absolute, I don't know if I can ball it, I'm not sure I can say that, but absolute pain to grow in the UK just because of legislation issues. Um, and I'm, I don't know if we're going to go into them later, but yeah, it's just, it just can be very difficult for farmers to, to get those through the books to grow. Yeah, that's really interesting. And sticking to that topic of cannabis, like, are there any challenges that hemp farmers face in terms of consumer acceptance? I think you mentioned it before, how you might have mentioned it's becoming better. But yeah, in your opinion, is it getting better, worse? What are the challenges? I suppose you have to have a look at it from two different sides. You have first, you have the farmer side of it, then you have the consumer side of it. The farmer side of it, it's, it can be very difficult. You need to get a license, and that costs about five hundred pounds a year. And then there's certain regulations and rules behind that. So you can't be near schools, you can't be near airports, you can't be near certain roads, you can't be near other things. So it makes it very difficult. And I suppose from the home office, their kind of like excuse or argument is, well, if we let everyone grow it, can we trust everyone? What happens if someone is growing hemp and in the middle of their hemp farm, you know, they're not growing hemp, they're growing, you know, the THC variety. So I understand there needs to be regulation. I understand that, you know, made it free for all people to take advantage of the system, just like any, just like anything. Not just for us, but for everyone that's in the hemp industry, it's we need it to be easier so we can progress with this. And again, it's so many reasons why, from even from a financial position for farmers, from a health perspective, for, and also for environmental reasons. So yeah, so for a farmer to grow hemp, it can be difficult. They have to be really committed. I spoke to a farmer recently, and or. A pro, a pro, a farmer and a processor he processes it for seed so he can so for food and his insurer came back to him and said we're not going to give you insurance anymore they gave him no other reason and that is you know he's probably put about a quarter of a million pounds of infrastructure to, to for seeding for to deshell the seeds and now he's got no insurance so he's got no you know he can't operate so and that's just because you know same thing we, we can again go, go into multiple multiverses you know, we can't advertise hemp on the metaverse, on why meta, the company, Facebook, they ban it. So how do companies that are disrupting the industry with like challenger brands, whether it's whether it's us with in the food and beverage space or whether it's someone that's created creating let's say hempcrete, you know, you can replace concrete with hemp, they literally cannot advertise on Facebook. And that that incorporates also also Instagram where, you know, a big majority of people are. So there's a challenges there as well. And I think what's really important as well is as a crop cycle. So in terms of soil quality and how farming works, typically, if you have, what, let's say, for example, wheat, if a farmer's growing wheat, he typically needs a crop cycle and that, a crop break, sorry. And that typically is to allow nutrients back into the soil. You can't just keep, you can't have a monoculture of product typically. You don't want the same product as what the soil just die. It needs nutrients to the soil. So then they have to put another product in there. Well, hemp is probably the best plant possible because via phytomediation you give you add nutrients to the soil so how much nutrients is added to the soil like our soil health and that again that could be a podcast in itself how important soil health is 
But a farmer is not going to try and apply for a license to get a hemp license just so he can have a hemp as a for his crop break. So you have all these challenges, but actually it's an easy solution. You know, hemp seeds are not that expensive. You just allow a farmer that grows wheat, for example, to grow hemp for one for a hundred days as a break. Then he gets to utilize the hemp. He can utilize the stalk. He can use the seeds. He can. Use, he can't because he doesn't want to get a license because the Home Office makes it so difficult for him. There's so many challenges. That's really interesting, Michael. I'm sure we've all got so many questions off the back of what you've said because it, it sounds pretty bleak. But something just leaped out at me. And forgive me if this is a stupid question. Why can't you grow hemp near schools or airports? You're not growing, as we said, we're not growing THC cannabis in, in ground floor flat in Bexley. Why can't we grow it near an airport? Yeah. I think a lot of it, again, is misinformation. And I'll give you another example. A farmer I know had hemp and a bunch of kids came and chopped the load down. Not enough that's going to get him worried. But the point is they chopped it down because they think it's cannabis, you know, THC variety. So I suppose there's elements of the home office thinking, you could not really tell the difference between hemp and cannabis with THC, really, unless you unless you know. So I think they just see it as they just see it as a protective measure, in a sense. But I'm sure there's if you probably look deep down into the Home Office reasons, I'm sure they have actual explanations. But I, I've never seen them other than the most obvious one, which is if it's near a school, they might think it's cannabis, and that's even. I suppose you can look at it as. Well, if you're outside your school window, you're seeing hemp growing, you're probably thinking that could influence them. You know, it's, I suppose the government just needs to be precautious and avoid any, um, you know, conflicts of, of interest for them. So, and then obviously the debate whether cannabis should be legalized is a different question. So that's the most logical for me, but I'm sure there is a deep-rooted reason that's in explanation. Wow, that is really interesting. And like following on from what you said about that, how can you, I mean, they're the same plant essentially, aren't they? So how can you really tell which is being grown? Is it cannabis? Is it hemp? Like they come from the same plant. How can you tell? Can you elaborate on that point? Yeah. So it's just in the seed. So basically in the European Union, you can only get, you basically have approved seed banks and the approved seed banks would, these seed banks will have licenses and those licenses will have been tested. It's very easy to test hemp for its compounds and its cannabinoids. So as long as you're buying the seed from an approved dealer, I suppose, <laughs> you're absolutely fine. In terms of, in terms of, and also, I suppose, smell, it doesn't smell the same as, as cannabis, but you'd have to be really getting up close and personal with them to really notice the difference. I don't think you go to a, you'd have, a, if cannabis is grown legally in farm, you probably wouldn't, it wouldn't smell like you would if you was in a concentrated area in a room, like, you know. But in terms of differences, and also it depends on the um, variety of hemp you grow. So obviously, different varieties have different properties. You have some, you know, typically the largest stalks hemp, cannabis wouldn't grow that, typically wouldn't grow that at all because you're growing cannabis for THC, for the flowers, right? As hemp, you'd be growing it for the stalk, for, let's say, construction industry or for fiber, for textiles. So that's an obvious one. But unless you really know, you probably just, your ignorance is bliss and you just think it's cannabis. Yeah, exactly. Because I was one of those people when I when I first saw hemp kind of coming onto the market quite commonly, whether it be in the body shop, whether it be in food, I kind of saw it and my head immediately went to cannabis. Like that was my first immediate reaction. And it's the leaf, right? The leaf is the, yeah. the leaf shape is exactly the same. So that and it's associated with, with cannabis. So Exactly. So do you think people have a clear understanding of where hemp comes from and how it differs to cannabis and why, yeah, why it's different, why this is kind of quote unquote, okay, compared to, yeah, cannabis? 
Yeah, I mean, to be very frank, no. I still get people asking me, am I going to get high from your milk? And I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah. and that's, and that's, are, they ho- are they hopefully asking, Michael? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is they would give, give you a little smile and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but no, typically there is a problem with an understanding. And that is that we don't blame anybody, you know, until you do your own research, until it becomes mainstream. People aren't going to know. So I'm sure, and it's only a matter of time as things become better. But but there's also a, a huge community of people that do know what hemp is and uh, you know are invigorated. And you need challenger brands like ours that change the status quo and, and are talking about it. So that's it's a time game. That's all it is, you know. And it's gone from its hippie status, you know, in the '90s to now it's changing slowly. And and, and we'll get there. It just again, it's education. But I don't think that will ever change. By de facto, it has an association to cannabis. Nothing wrong with that. It just needs, it just people need to understand there's a difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on that, because obviously it has such a long history, you know, obviously you mentioned at the beginning, and I, I still love the fact about the Declaration of Independence being made on hemp, but how it seems to have had different stages where it was like, okay, yeah, sure, hemp's different. People weren't really associated with cannabis, and now there seems to be a link with cannabis. Why do you think there's been this sort of evolution and maybe even arguably a step backwards? Um, I suppose you have to look at, again, the history side of things. And I think it's 1993, it got legalized in the UK in the current setup. And in America, I believe 2018, the Farm Bill Act legalized it statewide. So you can grow hemp in America everywhere. Um, And they're really, really doing really well now in, in the American scene. But, you know, in England since 1993, it's just been... We don't really care. We've legalized it. We have the same kind of regulations. But the US see the opportunity and they're just running with it, which is where we're like, we need to make a difference and actually try and lobby against, try and lobby the government to realize its potential. Do you think the drivers for that, that sort of change was because it's such a prolific plant, because it is actually good for the environment? Because I'm correct in, in saying that hemp actually does give back to the soil. Yeah, through fetomidation, it gives back nutrients back to the soil. But more importantly, you know, just going from an environmental standpoint, hemp takes four times more carbon per acre than trees do. It's not just the pulp stat, it's also the, the carbon dioxide stat and the carbon stat, which for me was the instigator of, I need to use this plant, I need to um, utilize it. So if you grow one acre of um, hemp, it would take four times more carbon from the atmosphere than one acre of trees does. And trees take typically minimum eight years to mature. Hemp, as we've said, takes 100 days. So just from a pure acreage standpoint, we're sequencing more, sequestering more carbon than trees do. So hemp has to be part of the net zero campaign. It has to be in the conversation to reduce our, our country's carbon emissions, period. And not just that, but when you're, when you're using, you know, when you're sequestering carbon, you're then growing hemp, and then guess what? You have this most sustainable plant in the world. You can use every single part of it for different infrastructure. You know, from as I've said, from food to fiber to construction to, to medicinal CBD. So, you mentioned that it's become a little bit challenging for for farmers. Can we talk a bit about regulation and how it's changed over the years, and and then also, you know, how you expect it to evolve and what the challenges are. Well, I suppose, as I said, that it was legalized in 1923 in the UK. You basically have to get a license, as I've mentioned. There's a cost to that, and there's a regulations regarding that cost. As we mentioned, no schools, no airports, 
not near, near certain roads. I actually think it's near any road. I think I think it's, there's certain regulations there. But you can apply from the home office online. It's, it's not a hard thing to apply for. It's just it's lots of loopholes. You have criminal reference checks, which I completely understand and understand why they do that. That is the, I suppose, the check. And so then you have to have a, a farmer that's really, really passionate about what they're doing because there's a lot, there's many other crops that don't have those challenges that they can just get by and sell. But the evolution of farming, it needs to develop, it needs to change. As, you know, as we need to adopt better principles and practices of farming and hemp can be part of that equation. And, and I suppose the biggest challenge from our view is that allowing hemp to be part of that uh, crop break. And for us, that will just change the game because if you have more farmers able to use hemp as a crop break there's more hemp available which drives the cost down you know it's all about you know the um, supply chain and and right now there's issues well not in the sense issues you can't get it there's you know just like anything there's issues in how you get it and the cost of it and that can change fortunately it's not too volatile but you know you, you can go to one farm and it's one price and go to another farm and it's another price so michael i just wanted to for you to don your history professor's cap once more obviously we spoke about the declaration of independence earlier and clearly paper as a major use of hemp um and i'm going to shamelessly steal one of abby's facts that she mentioned during research in that hemp was also used to pay ropes for ships in britain um a few centuries ago but what other uses has hemp been been utilized for for throughout history wow so many things oils food bedding animal food ropes obviously fiber for the insulation and for me, the really fascinating one is plastics, you know, biopolymers. You can replace fossil-derived plastic with hemp. So it's, so it's incredible. And it's, you know, it's biodegradable. And I believe Volkswagen and BMW, they are both the, one of the biggest processes of hemp fiber for the plastics. They use a lot in their cars. Well, the parity doesn't have 25,000 uses. I couldn't name all 25,000, but it's, that, there's a lot, <laughs> you know. So every, and that's the thing is, the claim of it's the most sustainable plant is true because of every single, there's no wastage. Every single part of the plant can be used. So for example, just as a you know, little in, inside secret, the way, way we you know, process our hemp, we have the seed and the seed then gets cleaned. It goes through a dehulling machine. And when that, the seed gets broken as such, you're left with a shell. The shell is this you know, black material, high in protein, high in fiber, high in amazing nutrition. You can obviously break that down and process that and use it for what they class as hemp flour. But an easy way is just to sell it into the animal industry. So they use it for equestrians as a, as a high-protein source of nutrition for horses, stallions. Then you have the you have what's the hemp heart, which is the, the white bit inside. We process that in a very secretive way that I would have to kill you if I told you what it was. And when we process that, you separate the solids to the liquids. What's left is our as our milk as such, our base. And then what's left behind is what's called a cake, which is a high-density protein. So at the moment, the biggest one of the biggest demands is, is a vegan protein source. Typically, people use pea protein and hemp protein. And that hemp protein just comes from, a, as a process, a de facto byproduct of making our base, our hemp base. And that is one of the most incredible and protein sources. Well, I'm impressed. You've not named 25,000, but we probably were named a fair few. Wow. I mean, I must admit, because I've heard that claim before as well. I mean, hemp being the most sustainable plant, it does raise an eyebrow. You do think, well, can you make that claim? But when you sort of rattle off so many uses, and, and, and as you said, so many different ways to use the plant, it does kind of make sense. So you did start to mention food there. 
how long then have we been eating hemp as human? I suppose, when did the sort of mainstream adoption of hemp as a food source begin? I honestly don't know how long people have been using eating hemp seeds. I would imagine thousands of years. If they've traced back hemp to 50,000 years in ropes and sails, or not sales, ropes, they would have used the hemp seeds because you can, the raw hemp seed is, you know, I have some in my cupboard. So although we process it and, and take the hemp shower off because the hemp heart is creamier, it's in like taste and mice taste, you can have them whole and they're just crunchier. They're just like no different to flax seeds and you know other like chia seeds and the same kind of superfood group of of seed products. I would imagine they you know they naturally would have fallen and humans would have um, tried eating them and done well from them. I've never seen history or never seen anything written down where it says this is an exact date, which kind of tells me it's prehistoric. Ironic, he did history at university, so. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, I'd say it's prehistoric that people were eating hemp seeds, just like nuts and fruits. Absolutely, I think you're almost definitely right, Mark. I also did history, and I, I don't know the answer to that question. So I think it's pretty specific knowledge, isn't it? I don't think they didn't teach us that at university. Um, I didn't do a module on prehistoric hemp eating habits, so I think we can be forgiven. Why should we be eating hemp, is my next question to you. Why is it beneficial? Why should humans be consuming more hemp? Obviously, there's the sustainability aspect of hemp right why you should be why we should be producing hemp right that in itself is as forefront most important thing but then when you look at nutritional elements you're just like you just get blown away first and foremost most of i mean it's multifactitude it's the most important one for me is most of the fat in hemp seeds are unsaturated unsaturated essential fatty acids which is known to improve blood cholesterol levels stabilizes heart rhythms eases inflammation typically the ratio of hemp fat in hemp is of omega-6 and 3s are 2 to 1 and 3 to 1, which is the optimal ratio for human health. The one for me is also incredible is hemp has all essential amino acids, all the nine essential ones that your body needs to function. 65% of of its uh, globulin edistin, which is the highest in the plant kingdom, and that's how your body processes and breaks it down. So when you, let's say, have a go to the gym and you're you know done your workout, you're going to wash down a whey protein that's from, let's say, whey from, you know, non-vegan source your body can't even process that protein very well it doesn't know how to process it that's why typically you have branched chain amino acids or bc bcaas in your diet whether that's for a drink through tablets a lot of gym guys do well that's because your body doesn't naturally process and break down protein very well but hemp has one of the best protein or it's called a perfect protein we can digest that effectively which is obviously amazing and um, you know and other things that you know including as nutrients, including magnesium, fetosorols, calcium, fiber, iron, potassium. This is amazing. Obviously, you need, it's not like you have one hemp seed and you're going to get everything in your diet. You know, you need to just add it. If you, as a balanced diet, adding that, it's just going to help you, you help improve, you know. But yeah, it's a protein, central amino acids, and the fatty and the unsaturated essential fatty acids are incredible. It sounds like the Mary Poppins of proteins. <laughs> no one not the person said that. <laughs> Look, there you go. You can use that as an advertising campaign, Michael. I've already written it down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to, to wrap up, can you tell us a little bit more about your guys' products in particular? You know, why did you decide to combine oat and hemp together to create an alternative milk? Yeah, I suppose being really blunt developing and spending 12 months developing and working out the best ways to use hemp 
for me, the challenge was how do we get this product into mass market? How do we get enough people trying this product? And I don't believe personally hemp alone is ready for the mass market in terms of by itself. And of course, you have a you have a, a very big community of people that will want hemp and will enjoy drinking hemp. It's a very you know, it's, it's a won't call it peculiar, but it's just an earthier taste, right? But for me, it's like how do I enter this market and make it make hemp cool, I suppose. And the you know, for me, I was looking at different food industries and different food categories rather, and drink food and beverage categories. And the plant-based dairy alternative for me was the highest, the biggest growth. And I saw what oats were doing. So then I just tried, experimented and I put our hemp cream base with an oat cream base and it just tasted delicious. And I was like, bingo, here we go. And then it kind of like transcribed into, into more like a branding element where I just thought you could add things to it. So we have obviously our hemp and oats and then our chocolate milk is hemp and cocoa, which is coconut. And then I just saw this opportunity where it's, well, we don't have to be the, you don't have to ram down people's throats by hemp. If we just, hemp is our hero ingredient and we add that as the main ingredient to all of our food and beverage products, you're going to have a much easier way to get into the market. You know, people know what coconut tastes like. People know what coconut cream tastes like. They, you know, they drink it. People know what oat tastes like or they, where they eat in their porridge or whether they drink in their, in their milk alternatives. So, you know, and then our other products will be coming out. Will be, hemp will be a hero product that will combine it to make the best possible products. Because no one wants to eat eating and drinking in such a, a visceral experience, you know, that taste. It has to be amazing. You know, in the day, bottom line, you can't sell a product that's average. You can't expect people just to eat or drink because they're safe on the planet, whether we like it or not. Yes, but there's, an, there's a crisis here, but people are only going to buy something they like it, right? So we want to make the best product possible. And for us, Adding oats allowed an easier entry to the market, tastes nicer, and the same with the chocolate. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally get that. I mean, in terms of why you were so behind, you know, hemp and, and why you want to hype up the hemp. Look, I'm coming out with all of the, the slogans today, right? But in terms of why hemp? Was it purely because you believe in it in terms of a, a you know, a sustainability point of view or, or you know and was there something more to it i think that there's a challenge to it that i like yeah at the core it's it is the most sustainable plant on earth nutritionally and environmentally it's incredible and i saw the challenge of where it is in the market and as someone that likes problem solving i saw an opportunity if it was a product that did those things but there was thousands of, well that's also a benefit right because many people it's not huge in the market because people don't want the challenges. They don't want to be battling with those challenges. I saw it as an opportunity and I thought I'm, I could help the industry and do something about it. And it's not about whether, it's not if I'm the right person because it's going to happen eventually. Hemp is not going anywhere and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. In 10, 15, 20 years, building materials will have hemp in them. You know, insulation will have hemp in it. More cars will be made, you know, their materials will be using hemp. In our food systems, it will be hemp. You know, so it's just we want to be at the forefront of that. We want to grow a business using hemp. I thought you were going to say then our cars will be hemp. Yeah. <laughs> it's like whoa. Yeah, what's funny is actually hemp has, is a biofuel as well. You can actually make no. biofuels out of hemp. So is there no. anything hemp can't do? Yeah. Um, um, we'll think of a use. This is like the the super plant. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, exactly. It's honestly, it's honestly crazy. I even read when I get, I was. You know, do some scanning of scientific papers. I read a paper recently in a study in the US where they discovered that electricity, you have silicon based products 
and hemp has a higher conductive rate than, than the silicone and using graphene. So if they figured out how to make chips and microchips utilizing hemp material, it would, it would be faster than using our current silicon that we see in our computers. Obviously, to build the infrastructure is huge. Like you just wouldn't, you just cost billions. But the factual point that hemp can also go into that world, it's just, it's honestly just incredible. That's crazy. I was literally just looking at my iPhone when we said, oh, we're we'll, we'll kind of a use. I've literally just looked down at my iPhone and thought, oh, I bet if I can't make microchips out of hemp, that'll, that'll get that'll get him. And then no, I was about to unmute myself and Michael just said, actually, no, Josh, you can make, you, know, <laughs> you can make microchips out of hemp if you want to. Um, so consider me bowled over. Yeah. Hemp's like one of those people that is just like, it's like Chris Hemsworth. It's just really yeah. good looking, exactly. really lovely. That's like hemp. Like, that. You want to hate them, but you can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay so looking into the future michael do you see more foods being made with hemp i mean you said that hemp's gonna happen whether we like it or not so uh, you know I'm, I'm i'm guessing whether or not it's in our iphones or you know android phones or but in terms of the food and drink sector can you see it expanding i would do want to make a, a point i don't think we're going to make be making hemp phones or hemp fiber um hemp Silicon. In terms of the food and drink space, yeah, we're already seeing it now. The you know growth rates are, are, are huge. It's a it's a growing industry. It has been for many years now. You've probably even had hemp in your in if you've had a vegan protein source. If you go and shop in Holland and Barra and look for a, and look for vegan protein, you're gonna nine out of ten times find it's uh, it will have hemp protein in it. And if it hasn't, it's probably because it's a cheaper product and they don't want to spend the money. But as a, an ingredient, it is one of the best. So, you know, people that don't, uh, you know, are lactose intolerant or don't like dairy, they're already consuming hemp. Um, in America, you're seeing a huge influx of food-based products with hemp. In the UK, it's slower, but they do exist. There's a few snack bars. I know that they've got hemp seeds in them. And we're working on our own hemp, hemp what we call, um, actually, I'm not going to tell you the name of the brand, name of the product, a snack bar that, that's got, you know, hemp protein and hemp seeds in them. So, you know, it's, it's only going to, it's going to happen. And it, what will happen typically is we'll come to the, we're in the market, people like our brand, and then there's other entrepreneurs and business people that say, oh, look, I like what they're doing. Let's look at hemp. And then they, you know, and it goes at that. It all, it, and let's look at Arlo, the, um, I think they're Danish milk company. I think they're one of the biggest, milk companies in northern europe you know they're in the space you know they make they make a version of what we do they make a oat and hemp milk as well i mean their their hemp is very minimal they use 0.75 percent which is basically negligible but the point is if one of the bigger companies in europe are saying well hemp's here to stay then that validates the market right so then we you know then where then we come on board and then the other companies come on board and then you know it's just about opportunity yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it sounds like we've got a lot of exciting things to look forward to in terms of hemp. So it's not just got a interesting history, but it looks like it's going to have an interesting future as well. Thank you so much, Michael, for your time and, and you know, giving us that history lesson about hemp. Josh, are you, are you satisfied now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was everything I wanted it to be and more. So I'm going to I'm going to be going away, books from Amazon and other, other booksellers, of course, and researching my, my hemp history. And I plan to have an equally an equally as good fact as your Declaration of Independence one, Michael. That was incredible. Josh has already messaged me about coming to be part of his pub quiz team. Yeah, yeah, we're going <laughs> next week. We're, we're going next week. So, uh, look forward to that as well. <laughs>